Well, good morning, everybody. It's so good to see you again. Thank you for the opportunity that you gave to Kathy and I to sort of unplug for a little while and, and uh, sort of catch up with life. And uh, we so appreciate that. And for all of you who are worshiping with us online, yay God that you're here. And many of you back week after week, month after month, and you are a part of us. And we're so grateful that you are a part of the service this week as well. And some of you, this is your first time maybe first or second time, and you have joined us today. And how about talking to the chat host for just a few moments to help us get to know you better and share a little bit about who you are and how you found uh, this website and found our our worship service today. And for everyone who is joining this service uh, from all of our campuses, yay God for you that are in person today. Well, when uh, I was here before, uh, before I left on vacation, uh, I mentioned to you that uh, we uh, were a little bit behind in our budget target. Every church is, every church is struggling. It's just tough times right now. And we were a little bit behind after three quarters of a year. Our fiscal year begins in October, ends in September. And this last quarter, we were hoping to sort of catch up or sort of narrow that window a little bit. We were 620,000 below budget target. And four weeks later now, I I understand that we are now 320 below target, which means that in four weeks it was cut in half. And I just thought we ought to celebrate that. Wow. It is absolutely amazing. And thank you. So many are giving extra to help us. And I'm going to ask you, please keep doing that. We so appreciate you helping us. We'd like to get back to on target. All of us have goals, all of us experience goals, have fun with goals, goals are great things. All of us can create goals, but only God can give us a purpose that is worth living for. And I wanna talk to you about that very thing today. Sometimes people sort of interchange goals and purpose and they kind of get them mixed up. Goals are sort of temporary things. We, we set goals and maybe, maybe it lasts for years to, to reach a goal or maybe it's just minutes or, or weeks, but it's a temporary thing. But a purpose, your purpose, that, that's who you are. That is why you're here. That is so much deeper. I read a story just a couple of weeks ago that, oh, I thought it was just fantastic. Fantastic! It's about a, a, a woman swimmer. She's an amazing swimmer. Her name is Madeline Dorado. Madeline Dorado, when she was 19 years of age, just missed. She just missed being selected on the Olympic team for the United States. Just missed it. And she was so disappointed. It was the 2012 Olympic team and she just missed it. And she's 19 years of age and, and people were saying to her, look, Madeline, it's, it's over now. I mean, you're 19, the, the next Olympics, you're gonna be 23, that's old in Olympics. You're, you, you're not gonna be able to make the Olympics then. So it's time to, to, to put swimming aside and start working on other goals in your life. But Madeline said, no, I'm not gonna do that. I want to make the Olympics. And she. 
she set her heart for the next four years. She worked harder. She got stronger. She learned more. And when the 2016 Olympic team was selected, she was selected for the Olympic team for the United States for the Olympics at Rio. And she was so excited. Another people so excited for her. She's 23 years old and she makes the Olympics. And because of that age and all that story, so many reporters were coming and talking to her. And one of the reporters from Yahoo Sports was interviewing her and he asked a question that was a reasonable question to ask. Has your life's purpose, up until this moment, has your life purpose been to make the Olympics? And she said, no, not at all. And he said, Wait a minute, I, I thought you would say yes. She said, no, not my purpose. And here's a quote, here's what she said. I don't really think God cares that much about my swimming. Making the Olympic team is not my purpose in life. It's the second question that the sports reporter asked her that I thought, oh my soul, I can't believe you asked her that, but I'm really glad you did. Here's what he asked. He said, if God doesn't care that much about your swimming, what does God care about? For a Christian, in that moment, it's like teeing up the ball. You know what I'm saying? And here is her answer. Here was her answer. She said, I think God cares about my soul and whether I'm bringing his love and his mercy into the world. And can I be a loving and supportive teammate? And can I bless others around me in the same way that God has been so generous to me? And when I read that, I just said, wow. At 23 years of age, I would have never been able to articulate purpose like this woman articulated. Everybody said, okay, you made the team. I mean, you, you gotta know, you're, not, you're gonna, probably gonna get a medal, but you made the team. Oh, Madeline won four medals in that Olympics. She won a bronze, a silver, and two gold medals in the Olympics. I'm gonna tell you, she won more than that. She, at the age of 23, understood purpose. What her purpose in life was about. She already got it. All of us have goals and they mean a lot to us. Hey, I love goals. Goals are the spice of life. They, they are the spark that gets us up and going and blowing. And we're just having the greatest time and we're accomplishing things. Goals are great. They're wonderful. But purpose is far deeper. Purpose is about who you are. Why are you here and for a follower of Jesus Christ, it is about knowing God. I don't mean just getting saved. I mean knowing God. Coming to understand who God is, knowing the mind and the heart of God. It means knowing God and making him known. In the words that we speak, in the things that we do. And part of that, one part of that Making him known is giving back, giving ourselves back to God in our time and our talent and our treasure. 
It's the first two I want to talk about in this series. It is the time and the talent. You see, God has given to every single one of us an amazing amount of talents. We haven't even discovered most of our talents yet. Those, that's the great part of life. It's intended that every year of our life, the older we get, we find talents we didn't know were there. Oh my soul, I didn't know I could do that. Part of the exciting, the fun of life is learning more and more and more of the great thing that God made when he made you. And all of the talents and all the abilities that he put inside of you. And if you know Christ as your Savior, the spiritual gifts that he gave to you. And then part of that purpose of life is giving back to God and to others in ministry. God has called all of us to the ministry. And that's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you just this short series in, in finding my place at Sugar Creek. Finding what God created me for. What am I here for? And a lot of that means what am I here for in this life? But some of that means what am I here for at Sugar Creek? He led me here, why? Now part of it is hopefully this church can minister to us and, and, and grow us and deepen us in our walk with God. Yeah, that's part of it is what we get. But part of that is giving back. Why did God bring me here? What was I to give back to God in ministry and to others? I want to talk to you about that today. Each of us chooses to either squander or succeed in our purpose in life. All of us do. All of us have those choices on a regular basis in our life. And Jesus even gave a parable, told a story. A parable is simply a fictitious story that has a real spiritual meaning behind it. And Jesus told a parable about a king that really represented God and about three of his servants that represents you. And you and you and you and me represents us. There's a king and three servants, and it's God and it's us. And this king was going to go to a far country. He was going to go away for a while, and he said, I'm going to go to a far country, but I'm going to leave money with you, and I want you to take my money that I give to you, and I want you to invest it. And then when I do come back, I want you to bring back what I gave to you and what you have earned in investments with the money that I gave you. I'm gonna come back, I don't know when right now, uh, but I will come back. And to the first servant, he gave five talents. In our culture, talents, the word talent means ability. It means something that we can do. But in first century, the word talent meant money. It meant a, 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 a amount of money and it was a great amount. The commentators I've read can't agree on exactly what, how much that would have meant today for a talent in first century. So I'm just going to make up a number, okay? I'm going to make up a million dollars because it's, it's a huge amount, whatever it is. And to the first servant, the king gave him five talents, five million dollars. 
And he said, I want you to go invest the five million. When I come back, you give me the five million back and what you've earned. And to the second servant, he gave three million dollars. And to the third servant, he gave one million dollars. And to each with the same job. And then he left. Well, he came back unannounced. All of a sudden, there he is. He came back, and when he came back, he did exactly what he said he was going to do. He said to them, I want you to come. Now, you get the money I gave you, and now also bring the money that you made with the money that I gave you. And the first servant came back, and he had the, he'd been given $5 million, and he brought $5 million more. Wow. He had made 100% profit. It's unbelievable. And he handed to the king $10 million. And the king said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with these things. Now I'm going to give you more. And the second servant came and he brought with the 3 million that the king had given him and he had made 3 million more. And the king said exactly the same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful for what I gave to you. Now I'm going to give you even more. Now stop for a moment and understand what's actually meant to be understood in the story. He is talking about us and God in heaven. The accountability time is in heaven. It is either when Jesus comes back and takes us to heaven or when we die and we go to heaven and now we stand before God and we give an account of our life. And so when he says, and this is the cool thing for me, when he says to these servants, you have been faithful with what I've given you, now I'm going to give you more. More what? More opportunity, more responsibility. Wait a minute, this is in heaven. Who is it that came up with the idea when we get to heaven, we're going to strum some harp and lay on clouds all day? That's got to be the most boring thing that anyone could have. No wonder so many people have this whole boring view of heaven. I'm going to go up to heaven and we're singing all day and we're, we're strumming harps. This has got to be the most boring. No, no, no. He is giving them more opportunity, more responsibility for what I do not know. But here's what I do know. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard. All that God has planned for us in heaven. It is going to be the most unbelievable, exciting, fun, and responsible and opportunity and thrilling and challenging experience that we could ever have in our life. I, I, it's going to be unbelievable. And so here he is in heaven giving. He's saying, when you come to this place, not only will you, oh, God, this is what you gave to me, and here it is back, I'm going to give you even more opportunity, more experiences, more responsibility. You've been so faithful. Well, the third guy comes, and you know the story. He'd been given a million, and he comes and he hands the million back. He's made nothing. And the king says, why? And he said, well, I was afraid I would mess up. So I took your million dollars and I dug a hole and I put the million dollars in the hole and I hid it really well so nobody else could find it. And then when you came back, I went and dug it up. There it was. And now here it is back. I didn't lose one penny of your million dollars. And what was the answer? What did he say? And the king said to him, Take this money from this lazy servant. 
and give it to the first one. And the bystanders expressed their surprise to the king. And they said, well, wait a minute. The one with $10 million already has so much. Why would he get more? And here was the king's answer. To everyone who has, more will be given as a reward to their faithfulness. But for the one who has been irresponsible with what God has given, even what he has will be taken away. This is the story. It was meant for something. It was meant for us to hear it and take it seriously. Jesus is talking about purpose. Why are we here? What are we to do? Why has he brought us into this life? Why has he brought us to Sugar Creek? It has to do with purpose. And there's five key principles I want you to grab a hold of. Here is the first one. Principle number one, God owns everything. This is the first principle. God owns everything. Notice that all the money was owned by the king and the king gave it to the servants for them to invest and use, but it was still the king's. And the same is true for us. Every single one of us are amazingly talented. You know, as I was uh, emerging early in my life, I just thought I didn't have any talents. I saw all these people with all these talents. I could sing and dance and all this stuff and public speak and all this stuff. I, didn't, I couldn't do any of these things. And I saw all these people that had all these talents and sports and everything else. And I was just, wow. Good grief, I guess I didn't get any. And as, as time emerged... God began to show me, yeah, I, there is no non-talented people. I've given you talents. In fact, people who have done research have discovered all of us, every single one of us have somewhere between 70 to 90 different talents. And part of the whole fun of life is that every year of your life, you learn more things. Look what I can do. I had no idea I could do that. And the longer you live and you keep, keep being open to God to use your life, oh, I am never retiring from life. And the older you get, the more you discover, oh, I had no idea I could do that. I had no idea I could do that. And all of life you're learning. My soul, look what God did when he made this great thing called me. And God has put all this talent, all this ability, you have no idea how much is in that body of yours. And if you know Christ as Savior, he's given you spiritual gifts on top of that. Now, why has he done it? Well, so I can make a living, yeah. But, but, so, but not just that. God, part of the reason he gave you what he gave you is so you would give back to him in ministry and to others in ministry. In reality, God's called us all to the ministry, all of us. I don't know of any other religion like that. Every other religion is just a handful of people. They run everything. They do all the ministry. But in Christianity, which is not a religion, but you know what I'm saying. In Christianity, God's called us all to ministry. He wants all of us to give back to him of our time, our talent in ministry to God and to others. And every talent he ever gave us is actually his. It's on loan. And every opportunity is given has actually come from him. That job you got, that new opportunity, this is God just blessing you again. There was a, a young dad, he took his little girl 
to McDonald's. And, uh, you know, she wanted to go to McDonald's because when you get the Happy Meal, you get a toy. And the toy is actually the core thing that you're after when you go to McDonald's for a child. I, I want the toy. And so she went, she got, she got a Happy Meal, she got a toy, she got a hamburger and French fries, and he got a hamburger. He didn't get any French fries. And the truth is, those French fries are not good for you. But when you sit there at a table and you can smell them, See, this is why you shouldn't do it. But when you sit at the table and you smell them, and he was smelling these French fries, and he decided, I gotta have one of the fries. So he reached over to get one of her fries, and she slapped his hand. (laughs) Daddy, these are my fries. These are my fries. Now, the dad is thinking to himself, I bought those fries. You had no money when we walked into McDonald's. This was my money that bought those fries. And I guess I wonder if God feels somewhat the same way. He gave you, he gave you and me all these talents, all these abilities and spiritual gifts. And he said, I want you, part of the reason that I put you in this world is that I want you to use some of the things that I've given you to minister back to me, to minister back to other people, to make me known in the things you say and the things you do. Not sit and soak, watch other people. Oh yeah, minister to me, take care of me, bless me. Not just that, but to bless back. I wonder when the moment comes to say, okay, yeah, I will step up. God, you can use me. I want to be a part of ministry. When he calls us to do it, we slap his hand and say, take your hand off that. That's my time. That's my talents. That's my abilities. Psalm 24 verse one says, "The the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, it's all God's. And for some, he gives 15 years of life. And for some, 30 years. And for some, 50 years, and some, 70, and some, 100. But for however much time he gives us, it's his. It's a gift. It's his talents and abilities. That's the first principle. God owns everything. The second principle is God equips us with talents to carry out his purpose. All of us have talents and there is no non-talented person no matter how we might feel at the moment. Romans chapter 12, verse six, we have different gifts according to the grace God's given to us. You see, every gift, every talent, every ability is a gift. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. So then, men ought to regard us as servants of Christ, as those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now, it is required that those who've been given a trust must prove themselves faithful. This is not a verb, this is a noun. A verb is, I trust God, but a noun is, I have a trust. God's given us a trust. What is this trust? It is those talents, those abilities, those spiritual gifts, those resources of any kind, opportunities. These are a trust. God's trusting you with them. That part of what you will do with them is you will serve God, serve others in some kind 
of way. I think of people who have such great sports abilities. I wanted, I wanted that. I I wanted that. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. But when I see guys and gals in sports who are successful and they get interviewed just like Madeline, baseball players, football players, whoever they are, when I see those people in the interview give glory to God, I think to myself, you get it. God gave you that ability for you to give glory to God through it and you get it. I'm so proud of them, you get it. Some he gave an amazing personality. Kathy and I, during July, were working on a project, working with, with a, a provider, a company. And so we, I, I was negotiating that and talking to a gal that was at the company. I talked to her four times. And on the fourth time, you know, we're just talking and working through what we wanted to get done. On the fourth time, she makes some mistake. And then she said, I, I'm just having a really bad day. I'm sorry, I'm having a bad day. And I don't know, I don't, sometimes I don't know what's going to pop out of my mouth. And I said to her, you'd be the last person I would think to would have a bad day. I thought to myself, why did I just say that? But I said that and she said, what, what, what does that mean? And I said, you got such a great personality. You're just so upbeat. You're so positive. I said, you've been a real joy to work with. You've really been a, a, a great person to work with to, through this project. She said, do you mean that? And I said, of course I mean that. And she said to me, well, I'm just gonna tell you officially, I am not now having a bad day. <laughs> there are people that have personalities that are just dynamic. I, I look at their personality and think, good grief, you are amazing. And you can use that personality for God to be such an honor to him and such a blessing in the lives of other people. And somebody have, some people have smiles that are just unbelievable. You see them smile, you automatically like them. You know what I'm saying? You see some people smile and you know they don't really mean it. But there are other people that smile and they just have the most amazing smiles. And there are some people that have this unbelievable ability to see someone that somehow has kind of gotten into a corner and don't, they don't feel included. They don't feel they're a part. And they have this personality of noticing that and going and grabbing hold of them and bringing them back to the group. And if you've got that gift from God, you need to go serve in the student ministry of this church. And and the reason is because the hardest times of life is middle school and high school and where do I fit and who am I and everything's changing and I don't belong. And you be that person that brings that student back because they do belong. And maybe it'll take you to bring them back into the fold and some of you are so great with children. I mean, it's like you're a child whisperer or something. You, you are so great with kids. And, and maybe you don't even think you are, but you love them and you care for them. And you need to be a part of the children's ministry of this church. And some of you can sing and some of you can't sing like me, but you still like to sing. Need to be a part of the worship ministry of this church. There are places that God intends for you to be a part of. Stop 
holding back. He's given you talents and abilities. He intends for you to use them. Principle number three, one day, God will audit our lives and make us accountable. Look what the verse, this is the story. This is the story Jesus gave. Matthew 25, verse 19. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts. There's a time in which every one of us are going to be face to face with God. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Matthew 16, verse 27, Jesus talking for the Son of Man is coming, going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. There's a day when we come before Jesus. Give an account of our life. Here are the talents, here are the abilities, here are the spiritual gifts you gave me, here are the ministry that I have done with them. I serve you and served others. Here it all is, here it is. And some in this room and some that are, are, are in, on one of our other campuses or are watching online, you, you say, I didn't realize this. There is a day you stand before God. This is what this parable is about and give an account of your life. And I don't want you standing there in front of Jesus saying, well, I, I was a sugar creek. That pastor never told me this was coming. It's not my fault, it's his. No, I'm telling you right now. It's a day that we will stand before him. I'm trying to get you ready. Principle number four, if we don't use it, we'll lose it. Verse 28 in the story, take this talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. God has the right to take away anything we don't use for him. And here's the last principle. If we use our talents wisely, we will be rewarded. So look at what he says in the story. And the master replied, verse 23, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. And this is in heaven he's talking about. Come and share your master's happiness. There are three key rewards he talks about in this verse. First, greater trust from God. Greater trust. When you use what I give you correctly, I give you more. Greater trust from God. Second of all, greater enjoyment. Enter into the joy of your Lord, into your master's happiness, he's saying. And I'm telling you, the happiest people in the world are those who are giving their lives for the purpose that God made them. The more you give yourself away for the purpose God has made you, the, the more satisfied, the more rich you feel, the happier you are, and then the ultimate reward. Well done, good and faithful servant. Can you imagine one day you were standing there in front of Jesus? The one you've prayed to, the one you've sung about, the one you've told other people about, you are standing there face to face with just just Jesus and you. One day you will, and there you are, and you hear him say, you did it. You did what I, I made you to do, what I created you to do. You did it. Well done, good and faithful servant. Christopher Parkin-ing. Parkin-ing. I've never heard that last name ever in my life. Christopher Parkin-ing. 
by the time he was 30 years old, became the world's greatest classical guitarist. I didn't even know there was classical guitar. The world's greatest classical guitarist by the time he was 30 years old and by the time he was 30 years old, at the same time he became the champion world-class fly fishing. They don't connect, I mean fly fishing and guitar. And by the time he's 30 years old, he's at the top of the world in both of these areas. And when he gets there, he thinks to himself at age 30, I'm bored with this now. I I don't want to keep practicing all the time. I made it. Now what do I do? And he gave up the guitar and fly fishing and bought a ranch. Now, let me tell you, if you stop and think about this, that decision makes absolutely no sense. Buy a ranch, but you need a guitar on a ranch on the front porch. So what, why are you giving up the guitar? I mean, that goes together, ranch and guitar playing on the front porch. And you, if you've got some stream or lake or whatever, you're gonna fly fish, why would you give these up? I don't understand the whole thing. But he bought a ranch and by the time he was 40, he was bored and he said, what is, I don't even get life. I don't understand life. What is this all about? Somebody led, uh, invited him to go to church. He went to church. He heard the gospel of Jesus for the very first time in his life. He accepted Christ as a savior. His whole life got turned upside down. He had this deep love for God's word. He started studying the Bible all the time. And he came across this verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And he stepped back and looked at his life and he said, you know, I haven't done that. I did the guitar for the glory of me. I did the fly fishing for the glory of me. These are his words. This is what he said in his story. I realized there were only two things I knew how to do great. And that was fly fish for trout and play the guitar. Well, now I am playing the the guitar today absolutely by the grace of God and for his glory. I have a joy, a peace, a deep down fulfillment in my life I never had before. My life now has purpose. I've learned firsthand the true secret of genuine happiness. Purpose isn't about what you can do It's about taking all of your abilities and your talents, and as a Christ follower, it's your spiritual gifts, and doing them all for the glory of God, in ministry to God, in ministry to others. And now, now life makes, life makes total sense. So I'm asking you, Maybe you say, I, I didn't know this. I didn't understand this. I mean, I've been coming to church. I've been clocking in. But now I'm asking you to take it up to the next level. I'm asking you to become a minister and use what God packed into your body to minister to God and minister to others and to do it through the ministry of this church. So how do I do it? For those of you who are online right now, you're seeing links that are being given to you about how, how you can get involved in ministry, even if you live in another state, how you can get involved in ministry. 
in the online ministry, and we would love to do it. You can't believe the amount of opportunities of ministry that we have for you. But now for all, everyone on all of our campuses, in person, there is, out in the commons area, a, uh, a ministry fair that we get showing you all the ministries that we do. You can go from table to table to table and see the opportunities. You can find something, hey, I, this, I, I can do this. Or something God speaks your heart, even if you think you can't, I want you to do this. And all of a sudden begin to find yourself, why am I here? Part of the reason I'm here is not what I get, but what I give. And I'm asking you to open your heart to this. For some of you, it's to come to receive Christ as Savior, and that's what the Next Step Center is, and I hope you'll go, or join the church, or whatever. But the ministry fair opportunity out in the commons, would you open your heart? God can use you. And it's part of your purpose in life. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today, and we open our arms, and we say, God, here I am. And the answer is yes. And God, I don't even know what the question is necessarily, but the answer is yes. I'll do whatever you laid me to do. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. So God, I have an open heart and I'm willing to say yes to you. God, would you use me? I want to be a minister. I didn't think you could use me, but I want to be used. Move in hearts today online and all of our campuses. Move our heart to say yes to you. And Father, for those in the room and, and, and online that have never accepted Jesus as Savior, may this be the moment of salvation. I want Jesus in my heart. I want to know Christ. I want to know the God that made me. And I want to know what real purpose is. I want Jesus in my life. And Father, touch hearts today to say yes to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.